Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 13 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from elite athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today in our main interview, I will be interviewing nationally ranked swimmer Diet Sauer. But first, Let's get to know this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. I caught up with this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete at the Spartan Race Stadium Sprint at Dodger Stadium a couple weeks ago. He's someone that many people in the Southern California obstacle race community have come to know and love. And some of you may have seen him compete with Team Kid Courage on the most recent season of the Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge on NBC. Meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete, Brian the Ginger. I'm Brian the Ginger. I am 41 years old and I'm an OCR elite athlete. I am athletic because uh, I wasn't growing up. At 280 pounds, 28 years old, unathletic, and I changed my life. Uh, Plus I have three young kids who they look up to me and uh, I, you know, want to make them a proud dad. So uh, for me, obstacle racing is so cool because it's running obstacles, jumping, climbing, and uh, I'm really good at that for some reason. (laughs) If you're seeking to uh, live an active life and become, OCR is a great way to start. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the strongest. As Joe uh, DeSena says, we're here just to rip you off the couch. And as a coach myself, that's my goal. If you come off your couch and you come see me, we're going to do an obstacle course together uh, because it will change your life. It'll motivate you to train harder, to become better, and you'll have a reason to train. You know, my reason why is I love this sport, I love this community, I want to be better at it. I want to be better for it, I want to be better to do it, all that stuff. I mean, it gives you a why. You know, before obstacle course racing, I was a gym rat, I had no why. It was part of my routine. I would train, I would train, and I would train. And then I would drink, and then I would train some more. And now I train because like, I want to be faster at that race. Oh, I got this race coming up. I got to get faster for that race. So it's a big driving force in my life. I am Brian the Ginger, and I am happy to say that I am a seasoned athlete. Over 40 masters, baby. If you'd like to be featured as an everyday seasoned athlete in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now let's get to know this week's featured seasoned athlete, a woman who is perhaps one of the best examples you'll ever meet of someone who is living her senior years to her fullest. Meet nationally ranked swimmer Diet Sauer. Hi, Diet. Hi, Robin. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I'm excited. I'm excited too. You are Diet Sauer, a Houston, Texas based wife, mother, grandmother, 
and nationally ranked swimmer. You have won a total of 57 national medals, including golds at both the Masters National Championships and the National Senior Olympics, with a ranking in the U.S. top 10 in 98 events and several world top 10 rankings. You're currently number four in the world in the 200-meter butterfly and eighth in the world in the 100-meter butterfly. You're also a spokesperson for the National Senior Olympics and a member of the Texas Senior Athletes Hall of Fame. And beyond the thrill of competition, swimming has quite literally saved your life and continues to keep you healthy and happy. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a moment to fill in? Well, my athletic career of swimming has definitely spilled into other parts of my life and has just made everything come together. I love that. And I think that's it's so important that we as athletes are not just athletes, but our athletic lives can really help the rest of our lives flourish and really just improve the quality of our lives. So I'm really glad you just said that. So from here, I'm going to ask the big question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? I'm 75 today, but in three weeks, I'll be 76. That is amazing. So let's start from the beginning. Were you an active person growing up? I was very active as a child in my neighborhood. I played a lot of neighborhood sports. But when I got into middle school and high school, unfortunately, in that time of, of our, the history of our country, uh, it wasn't very cool for women to be involved in sports. And I'm very sad to say that I bought that message and um, I did nothing. Of course, very little was available to women also. So becoming an athlete is such an incredible surprise to me. Uh, it was something I could have never planned. It's really interesting that you said that the opportunities weren't available to you because you're not the first person that I've talked to who's mentioned that. And it's just, I think a lot of us take this for granted that girls now have so many opportunities to play sports. But this, when you were growing up, this was before Title IX and, and it was before anything was really available to girls. So if a young woman or a girl wanted to play sports, she really had to get creative and so it either you either really forced your way into the boys sports world or it didn't happen. And I've kind of heard either side on that. So it's just really it's an interesting perspective for people who might be listening that may not even know that this was a thing that young girls and young women did not have the opportunity to play sports at the time when you were growing up. I know my grandchildren think that's just an unheard of concept. They can't imagine that none of this was available because all of them are so involved in sports. Yeah, it's the same as not having a smartphone, right? It's like, (laughs) how did you live? How did you exist? But, you know, you found a way. So... You said you, you didn't play sports. You stopped playing sports when it when you got into a time when it would have been organized sports. So what was your life like before you found swimming? Well, I'm embarrassed to say I was grossly overweight. I, I was over 100 pounds overweight. I was sedentary. I did nothing physical. Uh, at 40 years old, I felt old. I thought that was all there was to life. I mean, I did not even have any concept that that it could be different. Yeah, yeah. So what was the catalyst for the change in you? Well, there were many that were going on. Of course, I wasn't satisfied with how I was. However, the, the catalyst, the main catalyst was we were on a vacation, a family vacation. 
and I couldn't get in the boat with the rest of my family. And I was so humiliated. I can remember going back to the hotel room and crying and just saying, I'm done. I'm done. That's it. It's over. I've got to do something differently. It's interesting that, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with their weight and or just health and and can't figure out how to change it. And it really sometimes takes that that one thing, that one trigger, that one catalyst to really stimulate the healthy change. And for this, for you, that was it. So what happened from there? Well, the first thing I had to do was change what I was eating. And I grew up in South Louisiana and I'm, I'm a great cook. And all the women in my family were great cooks. In fact, that's where I saw competition with women was in the kitchen. And it was all who could prepare the richest, most delicious, most satisfying, most addictive meal. So I had to really make a lot of changes. And I didn't want to give up eating well because I love food. So what I had to do was change the ingredients that I used and I had to change the preparation. But I have, I'm, I'm very happy to say that I've succeeded in coming up with with a delicious and beautiful and wonderful way to live healthily. Uh, my husband is 84 years old and he is the picture of health and he's so happy with the way we live and he's so happy with the changes I've made. It certainly benefited him greatly. It's such a difference making that change in, in nutrition. And I remember I actually read about you talking about this, about loving food and wanting to eat well and wanting to enjoy your meals because a lot of times people talk about having to make nutritional changes and that means well I guess I'm eating you know sprouts and and just bland food all the time but that's not necessarily how it has to be and I made a lot of changes to my diet I grew up I grew up in the 80s in the suburbs so it was all tv dinners and processed foods for me growing up <laughs> you grew up in the south and I you know when you said that it's like Southern cooking is its own fight. You know, I've been to the South and I understand how food can be down there. And it's like, you know, and it's delicious, but not always nutritious. But the fact that you talk about just making some ingredient changes, some basic ingredient changes so that you can keep the quality of the meal, but you're eating in a healthier way. So for for me, for example, my addiction is pasta and I would eat, you know, Chef Boyardee if I had my way. I'd eat that every day. And for a long time I did. And then when I realized that my sodium, you know, my, my, my blood pressure was through the roof, I realized I had to make a change. And so it's like I had to realize and figure out how I could still eat pasta, but in a healthier way and, you know, changing the ingredients I put in and eating brown rice pasta and eating natural sauces and putting veggies in there. And I can still eat pasta quite a bit, but it's a different quality and healthier and it's still incredibly satisfying now now there's, there's even a garbanzo bean pasta that's oh delicious. yeah you see it with lentils you see it with quinoa you see mm -hmm. you know so there are ways to enjoy food and yet still eat better for yourself and eat in a healthier way the way you're actually you're not going to feel heavy at the end of your meal you're you know you're going to feel energized. And so my husband and I try to do that as much as possible as well. And, and we feel better as a result too. And hearing your story that you're, you know, in your seventies and your husband's in his eighties and you're feeling better than you've ever felt in your life and attributing a lot of that to, to how you eat, that's powerful. So I'm glad that we're talking about this today. Well, I know a lot of athletes that haven't made the change in nutrition that just want to work out and they think that takes care of everything. And it just, 
I found out it just really doesn't. You can't, and, and someone said recently, you cannot out-train a bad diet. That is you correct. Know, you, it has to be a component in the whole program. Yeah. It all goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. So how did you discover swimming and what led you to give that a try? <laughs> swimming kind of found me. Uh, after I lost the 100 pounds, I was in the gym and I used to work out uh, what I thought was working out. I did a lot of treadmill, I did a lot of Stairmaster, and I did a little, some of the machines. But one day, they someone put a poster up in the gym that said they were starting a master swim team. Well, I had watched my children swim, and I'd watched Esther Williams in the movies, which you're too young to even know who she was. I know who she was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was my exposure to swimming. I mean, I, I swam underwater, I swam with, or I did dog paddle with my head out of water, but it said it was starting a master's team, and so I decided to show up, and I really don't even know what I was thinking. I did. Now... The coach that was on deck that day was a young woman just out of college. And, and of course, that was a big disappointment because I thought, oh, what can she teach me? You know, or, or how can she boss me around when she's 22 years old? I'm 58. Well, she was the feistiest thing that you've ever seen. She took a hold of me and she taught me how to swim. She taught me how to, uh, you know, taught me technique. She taught me everything. She just told me to keep my mouth shut and do what she told me. And I did. And um, I owe it all to her. If anybody else had been on deck that day, I, th I don't think they would have messed with me. <laughs> it sounds like you found the right personality match. To it, it was a gift. It was a, a tremendous gift to me. Yeah. So what was it about swimming that made you fall in love with it? Because swimming is so much more than just moving your arms in the water. Um, technique is so important. And I, I, I never even had a clue that there was a technique involved in swimming. I didn't realize that when you can, when you were on a swim team, you don't, don't just go out and swim laps, that every lap has a purpose and it's studying and improving and tweaking your stroke, you know, to become a better swimmer, that every day is devoted to becoming a better swimmer, even for Michael Phelps. When he goes out, he's doing drills. He's doing all these different things to strengthen his technique. And um, I find that fascinating. And it's always interesting because you, you, you develop a technique, but then you tend to drop off when you get too tired and you revert back to old patterns or uh, your old ways. So it's constant correction and it's constantly trying to improve and become better. And that appealed to me. I really connect with that. That's what appeals to me with sports is that there's always something to learn. So it's not just about, you know, a lot of people have trouble with working out and it's like because it's mindless to them. They think when I go to the gym, I just have to do reps and it's mindless. And I always like to approach it as a skill because that's how I view sport. When I was learning roller derby and I mean, even to this day, if I were to put on skates, it's always challenging to me. There's always something I can learn. There's always something that you can master. And then there's something else mm -hmm. that that challenges you. And when I go out on the obstacle race course, it's the same thing. There's an obstacle that I'll learn and I'll be able to do. And then they'll come up with a new one that I can't do. And so it's always mentally engaging as well as physically engaging. And I so that's what it's sounding like is the appeal to you and keeps you engaged in the sport. Exactly. And and, and the other thing is I had admired sports 
and especially in the Olympics, I was an Olympic fanatic. I would watch it every time it came on. I would shut down my life in, in order to, to take in everything that was going on in the Olympics. So for me to be a part of a sport, to me, for me to be considered an athlete, oh my gosh, that was like absolutely unbelievable at 58 years old. It was an awesome thing. Yeah. And it's a, it's a testament to how possible that is for anybody at any age. And how cool is it to watch a sport that you had admired as a spectator? It's my sport now. That's right. Aside from spending time in the pool, what types of cross-training do you find is best to help you in the sport? Well, I, I still go to the gym, and I do resistance training in the gym. Uh, I do water aerobics sometimes. I do, I do a lot of things that, that are just physical. For instance, my, my grandkids came to visit for two weeks, and we played pickleball, and we went paddleboarding, and we, uh, they went to water aerobics with, with me. We did Zumba. You know, it's just I, I just like movement. I like to be active. And sport really brings that out. Like, I, I feel that too, where because I'm active in sport, I just kind of want to be active all the time. And how great is it that you can share this with your family? You can share this with your grandchildren and, and share this activity and be out there playing pickleball with them and doing Zuma classes. Like, how fun must that be? Well, you know, that's what I try to tell uh, young people about wanting to participate with their grandchildren and all later in life. If you're not prepared, if you haven't invested in your health, you're not going to be able to do the things. Like right now, we're planning a trip to Banff for, for next spring, and we're, we're going to be doing all kinds of physical things, and I wouldn't be able to do it if, if I hadn't made all those changes all those years ago. Yeah, and also showing that it's never too late to make those changes. You didn't start till you were 58 years old. And there's probably people who are already, I'm, I'm 42, and there are people who are probably my age that think it's too late. And the people that I talk to in this podcast mm -hmm. are a constant reminder that it's never too late. And to know that, you know, you had lived a sedentary lifestyle up until your late 50s, and here you are. I've watched videos of you. I see you on this, I see you on the Skype in front of me looking far younger than your years say you are. I am younger. You are younger. How old do you feel? You know, that's hard to say because I, I, I even asked myself the other day, I said, do I feel 10 years older than I was 10 years ago? And I thought, I don't think so. I don't know. I guess it's probably hard to gauge because you don't know what you know, yeah. 75 feels like because you only know how you feel. Exactly. Yeah. So as far as you can tell, everybody your age feels like this. And unfortunately, that's not the case. But with activity, it can absolutely be the case. So let's talk about some tough health issues that you face, because I think this is a good time to talk about this. So you face some pretty severe health issues over the years. How is swimming an activity helped you overcome these issues? Well, right before I started swimming, I had a cardiovascular workup, which really scared me. They said that, you know, all my statistics and everything indicated and the scans that they took indicated that I was to have, I would probably have a heart event within five years. And um, that got my attention. Just last year, I had another scan and I'm 100% okay. I asked the doctor, I said, when do I need to come back for a checkup? And he said, you don't. As long as you're living the lifestyle that you're, that you're in right now and you don't change, he said, you're good to go. 
I don't ever need to see you again. So that's wow. phenomenal to come from, you know, thinking you were going to end your life in five years or, or, or limit your life in five years to like, you know, the sky's the limit, you know? That is unbelievable. It is. Like you, in your fifties, it's like, you're about to have a heart attack. And in your seventies, I don't need to see you. You're great. Wow. I, I'm, I'm taken aback by that. But, but here's the thing. I mean, there are other things that could take me down. I mean, all of us are going to experience issues, but the point is you've got to be strong to take on the issues when they come. Uh, last December, I had an internal rupture of an artery. They didn't even know where it was. They couldn't find it. Uh, I was in the hospital for two weeks while they searched for the source of, of this. And meanwhile, I was bleeding out. I had nine transfusions. And, you know, but they said my heart and lungs were so strong that that was keeping me alive while they could complete their, you know, <laughs> complete their exploration. But um, I owe that to swimming. I owe it to swimming. Yeah. I mean, swimming is just phenomenal for the heart and lungs. Like that is probably one of the very best things you can do for a healthy heart and lungs. And so to be able to have that ability to compensate and take care of your body while figuring out the other stuff that was going on in there is huge. I also have severe osteoarthritis. I have arthritis everywhere in my body. And few of us aging escape arthritis. Sure. But being in the water feels so good that even times when the arthritis is flaring up, it feels so good to get in the water. In the water, I can do things I couldn't possibly do on land. Yeah, it's so it's so great for you. And I like it for you, especially because it's like you probably like to perform at a high intensity, but water is inherently low impact. So you can do that. You can perform at a high intensity in a low impact environment, which is probably perfect for you. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't have been, I couldn't have picked it for myself. That's what I'm saying. Swimming found me. Swimming found you at the right time, at the right place in your life. And look at what it has done for you. So let's take a look at your athletic career as a whole. Can you take us back to your worst, hardest, or most difficult moment in your competitive journey as a swimmer? Well, it had to have been last December. When I'm, you know, two weeks in the hospital, a week in intensive care, and the Senior Olympics was coming up in June, I had six months to train. It, it was very hard to come back because when, uh, when all of that was resolved, I still was left so weak. I had to have iron infusions for months to get my iron levels back up, which, you know, has a lot to do with your energy level and, and your ability. So, um it was very frustrating to go swimming every day and not be able to keep up or not be able to complete the workout. And, you know, and, and it was very difficult not to give up, but um, it was not an option. That was not an option. I was going to the senior Olympics. If I, even if I was going to go as a volunteer, I was going to go, but I wanted to swim. Yeah. And how did, how did that go for you when you got to the senior Olympics? Funny that you would ask. <laughs> I got two gold medals. Oh, my goodness. I had never gotten a gold medal at Senior Olympics before. I had gotten lots of silvers and bronzes, but never gold. I'd gotten gold. At, I had um, achieved gold at National Masters swimming, 
but never seen your Olympics. It was like a bucket list experience. Oh, fantastic. And congratulations for that. So in that journey where you were at a low and your fitness obviously had gone back a little bit, you had lost a lot of what you had gained just from the, the inactivity that you were forced to endure by being in the hospital and having to really push yourself and, and convince yourself that giving up was not an option. What's the most important thing you learned from that time leading up to the Senior Olympics? That you just have to take one day at a time, one step at a time, one stroke at a time, that I wasn't willing to give up or give in, and that I was going to do it. I mean, it was just strictly mind over matter, you know, and my body started responding my body started responding to what it was used to. It was used to swimming. And so the doctors were pretty amazed about how quickly I came back. It's just your fitness and your proficiency in the sport and your spirit probably all played into that, that comeback for you. Well, and I do have to say that so many of my teammates lifted me up. And I mean, the, the whole swimming community um, I got messages in the hospital from all over the world, you know, from swimmers that I have met in, in Ireland and England and Germany and South America and Abu Dhabi. And, you know, it, it was just phenomenal, phenomenal. That's wonderful. The swimming community is, is, is a well, probably the whole athletic community is just a lot of great people. It sure is. And I, the athletes that I talk to bring up community quite a bit. This is a topic that comes up frequently on the show. And it's it's often the appeal for many of the athletes. It's, it's beyond the thrill of the sport, the challenge. It's the people. It's the people that you surround yourself with. I've experienced that in my sporting communities, both roller derby and obstacle racing, and I really love it. And it's, they really, it's, it's just this positive group of like-minded people that all lift each other up and want each other to succeed. Even when you're competing against each other, you want each other to succeed. Well, and, and what's so awesome is I'm the oldest one on the team. My training partners that there are four of us that pretty much work together every day in the lane, in the same lane. And I'm like 12 to 15 years older than all of them. And they don't treat me any differently. I mean, you know, it's Diet, move it, get off the wall, get in the light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and that's great. That's probably what you want too, right? You don't want any sort of special. Nobody treatment. cuts me any flat. That's right. Because you're here to you're here to kick their butts. So conversely, on the other side, what would be your most successful or favorite moment in your competitive journey? Would it be those that gold medal? Or do you have another story? It was the gold medal and something happened after the gold medal. Go on. I had just won the gold medal. I get out of the pool and, and dry off and go to the stand, the platform, you know, where they present the medals. And while we were waiting for the other medals to be presented, a woman came up to me, a woman and her husband, and she said, I saw your story on the news. And she said, my husband and I drove here to meet you. Wow. And she said, you have changed our lives, that your story, that she said, I'm the age you were when you made your changes. And she said, my husband and I have started swimming. We've changed how we eat. And he was sitting there just grinning and happy, you know, and she was a, a professor at a university. And it, it was one of the most humbling experiences 
but also one of the most thrilling to know that that my journey has affected someone else's and oh we cried together and we laughed together and we keep in touch and it's just it was just another one of those unexpected things i don't think i've ever gone to a swim meet where i didn't have some unexpected joy I mean, there's always something that that happens that's wonderful. I love that you said that. I love that. I that, that you haven't been to a single swim meet where you haven't had an unexpected joy, because it's not just about going out there, swimming your laps, doing your thing. But it's it's greater than that. It's bigger than that. And a big reason why I wanted to have you on this show is that I really believe that your story can inspire others. And that's what I hope to achieve through this show is that's what I hope to achieve. Yeah. So the, the athletes that I talk to on this show have such wonderful stories and part of it's selfish. Part of it is I want to be inspired. So I, I get such a thrill talking to the people that I have on my show and I'm having such a good time talking to you because it inspires me and I, I live on that inspiration. I get really fired up, but I also hope that the people listening will be inspired and maybe it will spark someone to, to get out there and, and change how they eat or go to the gym or get in a pool or just get out there and move. And so I love that people are coming to you and telling you this because I, I imagine that's incredibly rewarding. Well, and it is. And the, the, the first one meet that I ever went to, which my coach signed me up for six months after she started teaching me to swim, I, I was so scared. I was so terrified. And I, was, I thought I was going to humiliate myself. But there was a 93-year-old man who did the 200 butterfly and I, you know, I forgot about myself and I just became inspired out of my gourd. And I said, I'm going to learn butterfly and I'm going to do it. And now that's, that's my, that's my event. I love that you do butterfly because I, that's always been the hardest thing for me to try and do. And I, it's not easy. It's not an easy stroke. And here you are just killing it. So let's talk about the challenges. What types of challenges or maybe even benefits do you find you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at the level that you do? Well, we've talked a lot about how swimming has helped me, but swimming has also hurt me. Um, doing any kind of repetitive movement is going to wear on your joints. And so I've had shoulder issues from the butterfly and knee issues from the breaststroke. So, you know, there's just there's a lot of pain involved, and especially in, in – like it took me about two weeks to get over senior games. When I came back, I, I, I was hurting everywhere. But you know what? I like sports hurts rather, you know, rather than just plain old aging hurts. Right. It's kind of cool to have a sports injury. I think a point that you're getting at here is that maybe it takes you a little longer to recover. Yeah. Maybe yes. you need to take a little time to recover. And the aches and pains, I agree. It feels earned when you get it in sports, it feels earned. I never want to promote injury per se, but you know, just having to kind of be, be aware of your body and know the amount of time it takes to recover when you get that earned pain. Right. Right. Well, and, and even of, of course with swimming, even when you, when you have the pain, the most soothing thing in the world is to be in the water. So yeah, they still go together. Yeah. <laughs> you may not be you know, doing the butterfly in the water, you may just be soaking in the water. What other benefits do you find you have experienced by staying active? Well, another thing is without swimming, I don't think my husband and I would, would travel as much as we did. 
and I'm having to travel to events all over the United States. And a few years ago, we went like we I, we had a swim meet in Auburn at Auburn University, which was 30 miles from where I was born, that I lived until I was five years old on a military base during World War II, and I'd never been back. And so we did. We got to go. I never would have planned a trip to go there, but it just happened. And last summer, we were in Minneapolis where my husband was born. He had never been back since he was seven. I mean, this is incredible. It just has taken us to do things that we might not have done uh, if it hadn't been for swimming. Isn't it great that, that these athletic events give you the opportunity to travel? I talk about it all the time. I talk about it with my husband because I'm always trying to get us to go to races in all sorts of different places. And he sometimes would like to just go on vacation without it being a race, but it's like, let's use a race as an excuse and make it a racecation. And, and that's often what ends up happening. Cause I get my way in that. Well, of course we now I've, I've been doing this now for 18 years. So my husband has become real good friends with a lot of the other people too. So it, it, you know, he enjoys it. He enjoys it. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is, though, every time we uh, check into one of the events and they they turn to my husband thinking he's the athlete. They don't assume it's you. Yeah, they ask my husband, and what event do you do? And he says, I'm her handler. Good man. Good man. That's the right answer. So what advice would you give to someone who might be around your age or even younger, even 20 years younger? who might be listening today and is curious maybe about getting into swimming or any sport, but might be intimidated or scared or might not initially think it's for them. Don't let fear win. Uh, don't let fear hold you back from experiencing great joy. I, I lived some, a lot of my life was in, I had fear that held me back from things that almost kept me from swimming. I was afraid for people to see me in a bathing suit. I was afraid I couldn't get off the wall, get get across the water, which I couldn't. So what? First time I went to a meet, I was afraid of going off the blocks. You know, so I started in the water. Fear can take away so much from us, and I'm I'm glad that it didn't stop me. I'm glad it didn't stop me. I'm glad it didn't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think that's such an important message. You're talking about, you know, afraid of being out in a swimsuit, afraid of getting in the water, afraid of trying things. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, if I'm doing this, everyone's looking at me and everybody's judging me. And I think, you know, when you're in the experience and you could probably speak to this, they're not, you know, everybody out there that's doing this is probably concerned at what they're doing and they're not thinking about what you're doing and they're not thinking about what you look like in a swimsuit. You know, one, one of the things about being one of the oldest in the pool at swim meets is there's more applause for the person that comes in last than the person that comes in first. <laughs> at Senior Olympics, that's kind of the rule, you know? Yeah. There is a precious woman out of California, Vivian Stansel, who is blind and learned to swim when she was in her 50s, her early 50s. And she comes in dead last at every swim meet. And I mean, the crowd goes crazy nuts for her just because for her to do that, to go heading into a concrete wall blind, mm, that right. takes that. Yeah. And you got to you gotta cheer that on. Yeah. So outside of the pool, you also devote time to help educate and tutor kids. Can you talk a bit about what you do and why you do it? One time I was getting ready to go out and I asked a friend, I said, what, what should I wear? What should I wear? And she said, it doesn't matter when you're old, you're invisible. She said, when you're old, you're invisible. And I thought, dadgummit, I don't want to be invisible. 
I don't want to be invisible. And so swimming, that's another arena that, that swimming has opened up to me. I mean, it, it's given me the, it's given me a platform to take me into other areas of my life. Uh, it's made me strong. It's made me active. It's given me lots of energy. And I love working with kids. And so for me to be able to take my life experience and pour it into a child and, and uh, help them, I mentor in a high school for at-risk kids, uh, kids who are troubled and at risk of not graduating. And that's been a, a great joy. And I also tutor at a little Hispanic church, kids whose parents are not capable of helping them with their homework or they're helping them learn. And so we work with them. And then... The last three years, I've homeschooled my grandchildren on Skype, which has been one of the most fun things I've ever done. Uh, what a wonderful connection you must have with them through that. That's fantastic. So, Diet, it can be argued that you live a much more active life than many of your peers. Just beyond the swimming, the 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 tutoring, the activity, that you, you keep busy. I think that's pretty plain here. Not just athletically active, but vibrant, full of activity. How much of a role do you think swimming has played in allowing you to live the kind of life that you now live? Well, first of all, let's go back all those years when I had that diagnosis that in five years, I wasn't even going to be around. So <laughs> swimming is definitely important. It's definitely, it's, it's, it's given me life. It's given, it's corrected the things that were going wrong that were going to inhibit me and that were going to not... I was never going to be able to do the things that I'm doing now. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful to swimming. It's, and I'll never give it up. Yeah. And as well, you shouldn't. I hope to be that 104-year-old woman in the pool that's getting all the applause. That's right. You seem to love the applause. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're just living a life that seems to be full of joy. Like that's, the, that's what I get from you just talking to you. seems like you have a life full of joy and just quality. Would you agree with that? I feel very blessed. Very blessed. That's wonderful. So before we go, do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive or even life journey that you'd like to share with our listeners? I would recommend to everyone that they be intentional about their aging, that they take it seriously, they plan for it, they invest in it, and they decide what they want their senior years to look like, and then make it happen. Too many people just sit around and, and let life happen to them. But just because we're older doesn't mean we can't have a say in what happens to us or what we do or what we get involved in. You know, and it can be exciting and it can be lots of fun. But it's not if you're not fit. And if, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to plan. But my favorite quote is the one that um, came from some bad movie I saw, but I remembered this, this line and it says, it's never too late to become what you should have been. And I think I, somebody else said this on, on my show. So it's a powerful quote for a lot of people and especially athletes and I, and especially athletes that start later, I think that, that weren't active in their younger years. It's never too late to become what you should have been because whatever life you might be living now, if you're not happy with it, if you're not happy with your fitness, if you're not happy with your health, you can make those changes. You can take control of your destiny and you are living it yet. You are absolutely living it and you are an inspiration. 
uh, to me for sure. And I'm sure to the people who are listening. So I am so glad to have been able to talk to you today and hear your story, Diet. Well, it's my privilege. Thank you very much. So if people want to learn more about you, how can they do that? Well, they could connect with me on Messenger or they could contact Texas Senior Olympics or National Senior Olympics and they know how to get in touch with me. Fantastic. I found news stories about you. There's some great news stories about you. I think CBS did a really fantastic one. So if you Google Diet Sauer, you're going to see some really cool news stories about about you. So I encourage anybody listening beyond if you want to see if you want to see Diet who looks fantastic in her <laughs> 70s and does not look like she's in her mid 70s. If you want to see Diet Google her, uh, watch that CBS video and check out those news stories because they're really, really cool. And I'm so glad I found them. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity to talk to you today, Diet. Thank you very much, Robin. Thank you. And keep uh, keep exploring your passion. Keep getting in that pool. And I look forward to seeing you being that 104-year-old woman. I'm going to be the loudest person cheering for you. I'm going to stay wet. Yeah, stay wet. I love it. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from the wonderful and inspirational Diet Sour. Number one, you do not have to sacrifice eating well for eating healthy. Diet loves food, and when she started focusing on living a healthier life, she learned how to do simple ingredient switches so that her favorite dishes could also be better for her. Take the foods that you love and figure out how to substitute fresh and healthy ingredients so that you can love what you eat and enjoy greater health benefits at the same time. Number two, embrace the unexpected joy in the things that you do. Diet said that she hasn't been to a swim meet where she didn't experience some sort of unexpected joy. The great thing about participating in sports is that those unexpected joys are everywhere. They can be found in the community of like-minded people competing alongside you, the people that inspire you and drive you to excel at what you do, and the people that you inspire. And finally, number three, be intentional about your aging. Don't just let life happen to you. Plan for the kind of life that you'd like to live when you're older. Wouldn't we all like to live a life like the one Diet is living when we're in our 70s? This didn't happen to her by accident. It started the day she decided to take control of her health. As Diet said, take your fitness seriously when you're younger and don't think it's too late. Diet started in her 50s. Thanks again to Diet Sauer. If you want to learn more about her, you'll find some links to news stories about Diet in the show notes for this episode. I highly recommend that you check them out. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about Seasoned Athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social, Seasoned Athlete Podcast, on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com, and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can.